0: Welcome to the Diary of a Creator, my name is Raj Hader. I am the Director and Founder of CKB in Manchester. We design and build restaurants, Uh, I come across so many different people and fascinating, charismatic people every day uh, with such great stories on how they launch their businesses, so each month we'll hear from a different businessman or woman uh, and listen to their stories, so Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome to episode 1 of Dario of Creator. In this episode, we interview Gary Usher, award-winning chef. Um interview takes place at Hisby, his third restaurant. Um, And in this interview, we explore how Gary got into this industry um, and what he's learned being exposed to this industry and through the process of opening up his five restaurants, soon to be six, and the additional pressure these bring. Hope you enjoy the episode.
0: You've been described as a social media sensation or maverick. Yes. Which which I'm sure you like (laughs) that one. The king of crowdfunding, which, okay. So... And then owner of five, soon to be six restaurants: Sticky Walnut (2011), Burnt Truffle (2015), Hispy (2016), Wreckfish (2017), Pinion (2018), and Carla (2019). That's it. So, in the words of Gary V, you're crushing it. Well, <laughs> you're <should>. doing okay. <laughs> We're doing okay. Okay, describe to us where we're sitting. Where are we? So
2: we're sat on the mezzanine level of Hispy, which was uh, when I took Hispy the toilets. <laughs> this, so, yeah,
0: yeah. this is the men's we, toilet, we are, the bog we, table.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we are sat in the Men's Urinal right now. Um, yeah, this was so. This was Gemini, um, and Gemini had a good reputation actually. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at yeah. all for a, a long time, was it? So, yeah, I remember I had the whole whole thing when I took over Sticky in Chester as well that. People would say to me, "Oh God, we love Gemini. Will it be as good as Gemini?" So when you take over somewhere that's got a decent reputation, there's always that, there's always that pressure to do something that is uh, equally as good or, or maybe even better. So, okay. yeah, good, good. Yeah, we are sat in there old toilets.
0: <laughs> old toilets. So, right. Take it back. Where did you go to school?
2: So I went to school in a couple of places. So I started in uh, St Albans in Hertfordshire, and then my folks moved up to it's a nice uh, part of the country. Yeah, really nice part of the country. You know what? I was back there actually um, 2 weeks ago because we had a private dinner party for one yeah, of the yeah, craftsmen. Okay. And then um, and then we moved to my folks moved to North Wales, so I went to school, <coughs> high school in a in a in a place in Bay.
0: Good. Good. Youngest of three. Kids. Youngest of three, yeah. How, how was that? Explain to us how, because I'm the youngest in my family. Yeah. I took a lot of shit and uh, I was spoiled, but yeah. it took a lot of stick as well.
2: Yeah,
1: got actually. Middle child syndrome.
2: <laughs> middle, middle child oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. syndrome, big Yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah. yeah.
2: no, uh, youngest. Um, I. Uh, I don't. You know what? No, I, d- I don't know any of that. I mean, I think I was pretty annoying to my brother. Um, <laughs> Old brother want to go out everywhere with him and go out with his mates, yeah. and obviously that's Tag the last along. thing. Yeah, that's the <laughs> last thing that he wanted. Um, other than that, no good. Um, yeah, no, all good. All yeah. good.
0: Okay, good, good. All right, fine. First job. Where, where, where do you start? First where, job.
2: Where start? I, I had two jobs. So I had a paper round, um, and uh, and then I washed dishes. So um, my sister was working in a pub and. In Colwyn Bay? In Colwyn Bay, yeah. And, um, in fact, I had the paper round a bit earlier. I think I had the paper round when I was, like, 13 or something like that. And then I was washing dishes when I was 14, but I was doing both at the same time. So my sister had a, um, a job in a pub, and she she asked me if I wanted to work a couple of shifts on the weekend, and I definitely did. So I washed dishes on the Friday night and the Saturday night. And I, I did that as well as the paper round, and, then, and that turned into... Um, me then I wasn't supposed to because I was I was in school. But then I started working like a weeknight as well, <laughs> washing dishes, uh, which ended up be turning into me uh, leaving school okay. and working there full time. Okay. Yeah. How was that? Yeah. Um,
0: how was first, that? First proper real yeah. hospitality. Yeah, first industry jo- job. Yeah, but yeah.
2: nothing to do with hospitality. Just first first sort of real real job getting um, paid. Exactly getting paid. So. Um, I was, so I remember, you know, I I was able to buy a PlayStation, that type of thing, yeah. you know, I was like 15. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so yeah. saved all my uh, paper and money, saved all the washing dishes money, and I was able to buy things. So, you know, I was always in like a flash jumper and stuff like that, <laughs> and I had the PlayStation just to fact because I was earning money at the same time as my, you know, fellow 15, 16-year-olds who, if they weren't working, and most of them weren't, they didn't have any money yeah. so yeah it was a nice position to be in actually good and, you know i'm not afraid of work never happened so the fact that i was working three four five days a week when i was 15 and they weren't it didn't bother me because i was
0: earning money so okay. yeah and then how, how long were you doing that and then did you then move to yes Ibiza, uh, yeah, London? yeah, what, so, what
2: up, yeah. It, uh, so i was i was doing that when i was 15 and uh, and then I started, like, I started actually, like, uh, bunking off school and going to work instead as well. Okay. And then my boss at the pub said to me, "Listen, look, you know, I know you're not doing well in school, so why don't you just fuck school off okay. and come here full time and do an apprenticeship?" And he didn't mean it in. He wasn't being. He wasn't having a dig. No, was... no, and he wasn't. He was doing it in my best interest. Yeah. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't making me leave school if he thought I was about to be come be
0: a, come be just a lawyer. Just looking out for you.
2: Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. And uh, but my brother and sister had both been very successful with education. They were academic. I wasn't. But I kind of wanted to do what they did, but I couldn't. So I said no to him at first, and then a couple of months later. I was in school, I was in a lesson, and I remember being told... In, I was in some business lesson or something, being told about going out to work in the, you know in, in, in these offices and stuff like that as work experience, and I just thought, you know what, fuck this, and I got up and I walked out, and yeah. I never went back. So okay. uh, I asked the teacher if I could use the loo. He said yes. I walked past the loo, out of the school, got on the bus, went to the just pub and started working. Just started? Okay. Yeah. Good, Yeah. good. And then I that. that was... My dad asked me what I wanted for my 18th birthday, and I asked him for the, for the biggest backpack that he could buy. He <laughs> bought me that, I filled it up, I got on a plane, went to Ibiza, had no job, had nowhere to stay,
0: um, and stayed there for three seasons. Okay, so what's, what, what does Ibiza look like when you're 18, uh, you're working in the hospitality uh, trade?
2: Uh, amazing, mate,
0: absolutely amazing. Sunshine, women, yeah. cocktails? Yeah, ex-
2: all of that. So, look, I was heavily into... But, you know, uh, from an early age, I was heavily into sort of house music as well. Yeah. So that was, a, that was my, that was my, I was, I was working, but I was into house music as well. And that was my two little things. And I'd been on holiday two years in a row when I was, uh, even before I was 16. So when I was 15, 16, I'd been on holiday to Ibiza and, uh, you know, these lads' holidays. And I'd loved it. And there was a place called uh, Cafe Mambo and um, it's a place um, on the sort of seafront over there in it, and every night the sunset comes down gorgeous sun- sunset gorgeous every sunset night. yeah and and music that I loved yeah. and I thought you know what fucking hell I, 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 I want to be involved in that and I want to I want to actually I want to come here full time so I, I, yeah, I, I, I just got on the plane and I went, and um, and everybody had said, you know, you don't know anyone over there, you haven't, you haven't got a job, you haven't got anywhere to stay, and I said, you know what, I don't give a fuck, and that's for me, that was the exciting part of it, and I know my parents were a little bit like, are you sure this is cool? And I was like, this is definitely this is how I want to do it, and and I think. Yeah, they were worried, but they bust off that as well because it's such a fucking massive independence Taking to do that. Yeah. And, um, and I got there on... I got the cheapest flight possible, and, uh, and that got me in at, like, 3 in the morning, and it was out of season. So um, I slept in the airport until the morning, and then I went to an English pub that I knew from my holidays there. I said to the barman, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to find a, find a job and somewhere to live. Can you recommend anywhere to live? And he said, yeah, there's a few places... I said, could, do you reckon I could leave my bag here? And he said, you can leave it under the pool table. So I left my backpack under the pool table, went to try and find somewhere to live. Couldn't find anywhere, did that all day. Come back to the pub. And he said, how's it going? I said, yeah, it's okay, I'm haven't found you. And he said, look, you can stay here tonight. So I stayed in the pub for a week. And the next morning, I went to Cafe Mambo, and I said to the the chef was there. I'll never forget it because he had a pair of um, he, he he had a pair of uh, chef trousers uh, wrapped and tied round his head. And, um, because it's because in Ibiza, because it's so seasonal. Out of season, if you're a chef, out of season, you're a builder. If you're a barman, out of season, you're a plumber. So they have like two roles. So he he was a builder. So he was he was. Pretty much building at upgrading. Cafe Mambo yeah, upgrading, yeah, 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 doing renovations there. and He had these things tied around his head, and he and, he, and I, I just loved him straight away. And um, and I said to him, look, I'm I'm chef, I, I, you know, could I work here? And he said, well, I am actually looking for a sous chef. Um, I mean, I was only 18 at the time. It's funny. In fact, he, I think, yeah, he said sous chef, but, you know, it was much less than that in, yeah, a, in, yeah. a, in reality. I said, look, I'd love to work here. And he said, well, you need to meet the owner. So um, I went back every day for a week and the owner didn't turn up every day. And he turned up, like, on the eighth day and, uh, and I got the job. And, um, nice. and you know what? Nice. Yeah, and I was ridiculously proud of myself. And Good. I remember phoning home, friends and family, and I said, listen, I'm in, I've got the job in Café Mambo. I've got what? I, I've got, I'm got the job found somewhere to stay and that was it and that was my I stayed there for three seasons Did that validate the decision?
1: Because I think it's like what was striking is that you made the sort of key instance in your life you made real confident decisions kind of yeah. like I'm just going to go and do this Yeah I don't, I don't care what happens I'm just going to do it Yeah And those I, little things end up validating those decisions
2: Yeah you know what yeah it did actually yeah because um, I think for the first you know, three or four days I was quite worried about what I'd done and I didn't know what was going to happen and yeah I think it did because it was solid I yeah. had, I had not just a job in Ibiza, but I had the fucking job that I went out there for. Um I had the job, and I had somewhere to stay, and I'd made a couple of friends, and, and yeah, it did, it did, yeah, it made me feel good about it,
0: yeah, yeah. Good, okay, so then how, how do you then land back in London yeah. from Ibiza? Yeah, so, uh, three great summers, I Yeah, guess. three
2: amazing summers, yeah, best time of my life, easily, yeah. um, and, um... Partying like a rock star. Oh, partying like <laughs> you wouldn't believe, yeah, partying like you wouldn't believe, and, um... But it was a great thing because, you know, I was 18 when I went out there and, um, and I, I, you know, before I left I got involved in, in the dance scene, the house music, like I said, and, and with that came drugs and when I got to Ibiza... I did all that, and I did a lot of it. So I was, you know, this the, the dance scene going out... I mean, i worked harder than I... I still, I've still never worked as hard as I did, and I beat that up. out, Yeah. Okay. Seven days a week, okay. um, every day. So I worked ridiculously hard, but I partied ridiculously hard as well. And what it meant was, I got all that out of the system. So after three seasons, I was still in... I was like 21, and I was like, right, I'm fucking done. Now it's time. I want my career now, and I want it f- good. So... I, I come back and I was focused and all the people that were doing drugs and that kind of thing before I went they were still doing it when I came back and they would still do it for years afterwards whereas I was done it was kind of like right wash my hands of that yeah. move on concentrate focus job career ambition good okay. yeah.
0: so, so you get back to London
2: yeah no got back to then got back to um, got back to actually Ellesmere Port okay. in Ellesmere Port at that okay. time yeah We're back to Ellesmere Port uh, got a job in Liverpool as a sous chef, and uh, and that was cool. Bit of um, a reality check. Uh, no, no, not you're all. happy to be home. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I missed Ibiza and I missed the scene and the sunsets and all that. But I was, I was also happy to be like, right, let's do this now. Let's so on. yeah. Let's so I sent a letter to, I you know, from right from when I was 16 in the pub, that pub every week got the hotel and catering magazine. And I used to read it all and I would read the back. And back then, you know, we didn't have social media. So um, there was no, if you wanted a job in a restaurant, you sent a letter. Um, so I would always read the jobs and I would always see. And I'd started hearing about Michelin star places. And, and I knew that was the best of what there was about for my yeah. career. So I started looking at this and took this job in Liverpool sous chef in in a good restaurant but nothing like a Michelin style restaurant and reading this magazine and it said um, uh, commie chef wanted uh, Michelin style restaurant uh, Kent and and it had just won um, uh, restaurant of the year in the AA guide ironically what we won at Sticky years later Um, so I sent (coughs) a letter to the head chef and I said listen I'd love to come and and trial for this he sent me a letter back Uh, great come down so a couple of weeks later I got on the coach after work because he wanted me there for seven so it meant traveling through the night on the coach to london um did that did the trial got the job and that was the start of um of uh, i guess more sort of fine dining restaurants and the michelin sort of route
0: okay good and how, how long were you down there for
2: um i was in total about five years
0: okay enjoyed it
2: Enjoyed it. So the first job, I... Did I enjoy it? No, I fucking hated it. Like, pressure. I hated it. High um, pressure? Yeah, high pressure. Yeah, pressure like I'd never had pressure before. Um, the level of um, detail and finesse um, was just something I'd never experienced before. I, I handled it. Um, you know, I was promoted after three months, but inside I was just absolutely crumbling. Um, and, yeah, in fact... I, 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 hated that, I hated it that much. I started to look at what else was out there from a, a, a career point of view. To um,
0: escape?
2: Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I was, yeah, I was, um, on the inside, I was completely out of my depth. Um, so it wasn't until about two years after that job that I then got back into another Michelin style restaurant in uh, London. And when I started in that job, I realised that actually you could have the, the michelin style kitchen, those high standards, that quality of cooking, but you could also have uh, you could also have happiness as well and being being content at the same time. What was the go? What was the difference? The difference?
1: Yeah, just reflecting. Just reflecting yeah. If you've got other yeah. ch- other young chefs mm. who were maybe in the situation you were describing yeah. before, or yeah. how would they recognise being in a mm. situation that was? beneficial to their health because it's a bit of a balance
2: it's a good question yeah it's a good question um so what i've said to people in the past when i've referred back to this and and my life is i've said because i was very much ready to give up cooking because i was that unhappy in this restaurant um by the way nothing to do with the restaurant the restaurant is amazing uh it was me dealing with it at that young age so inexperienced at that level of cooking Um, And I always say to people when they ask me about, you know, or if they say they're not happy somewhere, of course, if you're not happy somewhere, you can leave. And of course, if you really don't like cooking, try something else. But there is also, you might just not be happy in that position, in that place, so try another one. And that's, for me, that was everything, really, because... It was only a few years later, so I wasn't. It wasn't like I was that much older, wiser, or more experienced. It was just a different place, and I was more comfortable. Um, and I think it is just a case of maybe just keep trying a bit and see if there is something out there that's more suited to you. And do you think that? Do you think there's an element of confidence
1: in making that decision? Because I can imagine a lot of chefs they get themselves in the situations, they think they want to. This is the path that's going to lead me this to wherever. A, yeah. But if I give this up or mm. move away, I'm never going to. Yeah. yeah,
2: you're right. You're right. It's a tricky one, that, and I, I, I find that a little bit difficult to answer because, because um, uh, there's a lot of truth in it, and it's, and and I think I wouldn't want to say to somebody, give up if you don't, if you're not, yeah, if you're not, yeah, um, if you're not happy, because to get where you want to get, you're probably not always gonna be happy. Yeah. Um, but is there A similar route where you could be a bit happier or or in the route you're in where you're not that happy, is it just a means to an end? And can you just deal with it for enough time to make it ridiculously beneficial for the rest of your life? And if it means working another six months in a place where it is really fucking hard and people aren't that nice to you, but that extra six months is going to set you up for the rest of your life, then you ask yourself... Is that worth it to you? And if that six months of a little bit of uh, emotional stress is it, you can do it and it is worth it to you, then maybe do it.
0: Yeah.
2: Tricky one to answer that.
0: Yeah. Very, very yeah. tricky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. So 2010, you get back to Chester? 2011?
2: Yeah. yeah. So 2010, um, I'd worked for, so so the second restaurant I was really happy in was Shea Bruce a uh, Michelin-style restaurant that taught me pretty much everything that I know. From there, I went to work for the first Gordon Ramsay, well, still the only Gordon Ramsay hotel. So it was a tiny little boutique hotel that was opening in Camden, and his head chef was going to be Angela Hartnett. So um, he set, uh, "So my head chef at Shea Bruce, I'd said to him, look, I've done a few years here now, I'm ready to move. And he said, great, I think you are as well. Uh, I'd like to set you up with a meeting with Angela. Um, they are Angela and Gordon are opening this little hotel, it's going to be quite rustic they're going to have a deli and all this kind of stuff as well I think you'd be suited to it at that time I'd just been offered a job in New York um, and so I was like fuck, what should I do so I never try and close any doors and I always try and keep every option open I mean that's just common sense isn't yeah. it but I really do yeah. try and do that so I went to meet Angela even though I'd accepted this job and um, and, and the rest is kind of history uh, because she is, she is amazing, she's an amazing person. So I ended up working for Angela for a few years, I was Angela's sous chef and that relationship was really strong, um, really strong. Um, I, had a, I had and do have such respect for her and I think by working so hard for her she had quite a lot of respect for me and I don't feel like a... I don't feel like a dick saying that because it, cause, cause it's true. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I'd said to her that, look, my ambition has always been to open my own place. And I said, so I think I'm going to move on because what I really want to learn about is business. And uh, I feel like I'm a confident enough cook in, in some sort of way. Uh, but what I don't know anything about is business. And she said, well, I'll teach you that. <laughs> and I said, um, yeah, and, I, and I, of course, this is Angela Hartner saying that. So ridiculously respectfully, I said, um, I know you would chef, but um, I think I'm going to try and go somewhere that's like, like fucking heavy on gross profits and that type of thing. And, and the chefing role is almost more about um, figures than it is about food. Um, and it, but again, she said, you know, I can help you out with that, but she's such a busy person. Um, I knew that that would probably be uh,
0: difficult for her as yeah, well. A bit disjointed, uh, maybe. Uh, I
2: don't know, but I just, I just felt like it better just to move on.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and so, um, uh, mistakenly, um, I took a job. Um, so Jamie Oliver had just started his Jamie's Italians back in two thousand and nine or something like that, and um, he'd opened this one in Canary Wharf or somewhere. it was like Oxford and then Canary Wharf and. And I knew that their business model was to, to um, was to open a group of restaurants and sell a group of restaurants, and that was their exit. Yeah, and they, they knew that from the start. And I was impressed by that uh, honesty and that level of uh, business um, ambition. So I uh, I went to eat in these Jamie's Italians, and I went probably four or five times, and then and I and the food then I thought was actually great. So I got in touch with them, spoke to them about uh, the possibility of doing something with them, coming in, I said I'd like to be on, an, on the operational team, they said you'd have to be a head chef first, so I said okay well let's do this then and I, and I, and I, and I started to go for that, uh, it, it was a big mistake and I fucking hated it and I fucking hate James Italian and I... Fucking hate the teams there, at least well, the ones that were there then. Yeah. Uh, I found, I found, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not bothered about saying it, Rose, because I think it was fucking disgusting. Okay. Uh, and they okay. didn't, and they didn't treat people right. Okay. Um, so I've
0: got no. Well, you, you've never hidden hidden that fact. it's yeah. you So it's, yeah. fine.
2: So it's a funny one because you know, uh, you know, one day someone could say this about me and I'd have no defence about it, and and you know maybe Jamie Oliver himself has got no defence about it because he doesn't know. But the important thing in my mind is he should fucking know. And there was people being bullied in there, there was nastiness, it was horrible. And I'd just come from working in Michelin stock Kitchens in London. This, so it was yeah. hardly like I was soft. Yeah. You know, I was getting I was getting called the C bomb yeah. in, in my face. <laughs> all day. That, yeah. all, Daily. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was being told I was worthless, I was useless all day, so it wasn't like I, I came, I went to Jamie 's, and I was you know, soft in my, in my emotions, and I was upset very easily. I wasn't. I just found the company pretty disgusting the way yeah. that they ran. Yeah. so I was only there for about eight months, and a friend of mine who I'd been working with in the Chester Grosvenor about 10 years previous, gave me a call. And uh, uh, one of my best friends actually so uh, we, we he'd always known my ambitions to open my own place and he gave me a call and I was working in Cambridge at this time and he'd said to me, listen, I don't know if you remember, there's this little uh, bistro called the Village Bistro just outside Chester and Hall and I said yeah I remember it and he said well it's completely fucking run down um, and it's like for sale for pennies like you should come and have a look so I got the train up the next day um had a had a like a, a terrible meal there um like sour soup <laughs> split creme brulee and I just sat there like a pig in shit because I was like because I loved the restaurant I stared into the kitchen that I could see I was eating this rubbish food and I was just thinking fucking hell I could make something. I can of see some of her yeah and some I looked in, yeah I could see the potential and it um, sounds a bit cheesy but <clears throat> I could actually uh uh, I could envision myself in the kitchen that I was staring into. And
0: I thought, fucking hell, I could do this. And that was it. Nice, yeah. nice. So, where, first of all, where'd the name come from? Okay, because it's yeah. uh, become a, a bit of an iconic name in this country now. Oh, and, well, that's uh, nice to hear
2: someone say that. I'm not sure pe- I agree people, with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> people know... Know the name before they know you, and it's oh it's, definitely it's, that I agree with that. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, yeah it's, I wouldn't say it's uh, it's getting there to be a household name, but yeah, no, you know, pe- people know who you're talking about when you're talking about Sticky Walnuts Oh, so. well, that's nice to hear. Yeah, um, um, how how did the name come about? Was it you know? Yeah,
2: so the name came about because my I come from um, a family of bakers. My dad was a baker. His dad was a baker. Uh, I w- we used to live above the bakery, and um, and you know, one of my sort of memories of growing up is the reference to the bakehouse Um, so although the bakery was called uh, our surname, it was called Usher's Bakery my dad always referred to it, and my granddad, as the bakehouse, so it was just something that was always stuck in my head, so the original name for the restaurant uh, was always going to be the bakehouse, and I had um, such a shit name in, in retrospect now but I, um, I had all the menus done, uh, all, the, all, all everything ready for it and, uh, and but, the, but the, 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 the sale of the restaurant fell through about three times and so I actually ended up uh, in the middle of the sale moving back to London so I was, uh, I gave the guys at Shea Bruce a call actually and I, I said look, they knew that I was doing this, trying to do this restaurant, and they've been very supportive, and I said, look, I'm, I'm, the restaurant's fallen through, would you just take me on, back on, and the Matt, the head chef, said, I will, I'll take it, but it will be on pastry, and I said, that's fine, Matt, so I, at that time, I was renting a flat in Clapham, and I was renting a flat in Chester, it was a nightmare, <laughs> and um, I was working in London, and then at every opportunity, I was coming up to see what was happening, and if the sale would go back through again, and over the course of three or four weeks, um, I think i borrowed uh, my sister's car, and I was driving past um, what was uh, the Village Bistro, now Sticky Walnut, and I got to the end of the road, and in the course of this, of the restaurant falling through, a little bakery had opened called um, Baked. On Charles Street? On Charles Street, on, west, west, oh my God. where Sticky okay. Walnut is, yeah. <laughs> and so I drove past it, and I looked at this fucking bakery called baked and I was just like shit <laughs> so um, unfortunately at that time my dad had had a stroke uh, a life changing stroke and he was um, he was in the hospital and um, as many evenings as we could we would go and see him in the hospital and I remember that night being up here going to the hospital the, uh, my brother was there, my sister was there and my mum was there, my dad obviously and um, and i said to them i said fuck you know i said there's a deli opened a bakery opened on the corner called baked and you know everyone said the same you know shit uh what are you going to do and i support well, can't call it the bakehouse kind okay. of bakehouse and baked on the same road so um my sister said um read me the menu and i and i said why and she said, just read me the menu. And the menu that I'd written, I was very careful not to have... You know, I'd been working in a couple of these Michelin-style restaurants, and I'd used lots of French terminology for cooking and for food and for ingredients. And I was very aware that, you know, I wasn't in the centre of London. I was on the outskirts of Hall. So I wanted to write a menu that was very relatable. You know, something that my mum would understand completely. Something that, you know, my mum wouldn't sit there going, you know, what is fromage blanc? So instead of fromage blanc, I would write soft cheese. You know, what is pappardelle? Instead of pappardelle, I would write jumbo ribbons of pasta. Yeah. So um, I've written this menu. I read it out to my sister in the hospital. And there's like the second dish was a beetroot dish. And it said, uh, oven roast beetroots, spicy pumpkin seeds, and sticky walnuts. And my sister said, sticky walnuts, what are they? And I said, well, I said, normally it would be like uh, walnut praline. So, you know, any, any nut that's covered in sugar and caramelised is praline. Yeah. So, it would be, well, you know, I would have wrote walnut praline. But because of this, uh, if you like, dumbing down of the menu, I'd wrote sticky walnuts. And she said, call it sticky walnut. I said, are you fucking taking this? <laughs> I said, call the restaurant sticky walnut. And she said, yeah, call it sticky walnut. And that's it. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I was ridiculously embarrassed for about six months. And I remember, you know, particularly, like, phoning people like Angela and saying, Oh, hey, Angela, the restaurant's open, uh, and it's called Sticky Walnut. Um, But everyone loved it. And even, you know, everyone loved it, and no one gave a shit. And and actually, what we did was we named a restaurant something ridiculously unpretentious. And... Hopefully that's what we are, so it yeah. kind of fit. It fits the bill, definitely, yeah.
0: definitely. Yeah. And and so, how do you launch a restaurant? How much does it cost? How many staff have you got? Yeah. Like, you know, refurb? Yeah. You know, that that's how I met you. Yeah. Um you know, and and, and I assume it was a very different mm. launch compared to what we're doing oh my on God. King Street yeah. next month. Oh so my God. Uh, yeah. from from yeah. How, how how did that now, how did that start yeah. in, in Hall? Well, it's changing
2: every time we open a restaurant at the minute. It's all your fault, Raj. Um, uh, so, if you do, you know, back in the day, you know, 60 grand and a lick of paint was, was getting, yeah. getting it doing was you? open in a restaurant, yeah. Um, credit cards, uh, uh, borrowing money from anyone that would lend you money, uh, 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 speaking to suppliers beforehand and saying, listen, is there any chance you could just give me, like, Cause, but you know, this is before all restaurants were going down. I mean, it was much easier back in 2009 10 to be able to say to a supplier, Look, could you, is there any chance you could give me like two months credit, three months credit? And if you, if it was a local person, um, quite often they would actually, and they did. And you know, particularly, I remember one butcher that did as well. And that kind of thing was that was the help that I needed at the start. Um, now, like you say, it's very different, you know, we're looking. You know, uh, okay, take the second restaurant, for instance, that we crowdfunded. Um, we crowdfunded £100,000, and that is pretty much what it costs to open that restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, we're opening Carla in on King Street um, uh, next month, and we're looking at £600,000. Yeah. So the difference is polar. Yeah. Um, it's a huge difference. Um, but we've changed as a business, and you know, you ask about staff. Um, I had six at Sticky, and now we're on 122. So uh, everything has changed, and it's changing so much. So, how do you open a restaurant now? Uh, my answer to that is so different to how I would have said it, okay. you know, six seven years ago when we opened Sticky. Um, here's a few examples. I hadn't tried most of the stuff on the menu, so when I got the first when I got the first check on on the first lunch, the first two dishes that came on, I'd never tried them before, oh so God. I was winging it, um, okay. and I just made them up as I went along. Um, on the opening night, um, uh, two ladies' uh, dresses got absolutely ruined because they were they were sitting in wet paint, so. Uh, <laughs> It's evolving, the business is evolving, I'm evolving with it, and it's turning into something a little bit more organised, I guess.
0: But the most important thing is you, you learn from those mistakes and the, and those things when you start off, don't you? So And, and you, you know, it's all a learning curve. It's all a
2: learning curve, yeah. You do learn from some mistakes. I mean, I think you know more than anyone that I don't always learn, and I make the same mistakes twice, three times. No comment keep on that. It. Yeah. <laughs> no um, but I like that. But, yeah, it's good. I like that. that. You know it. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I, um... I obviously, my, I want everybody to have an amazing time and I want the restaurants to be as good as they can be and the guests that come to love it. But I also like fucking up a little bit. I also like...
0: Being human. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't, you know, people will ask me, you know, to, that there's, um, you know, will I come to this restaurant opening in two months' time in so-and-so? And I... I don't say yes, and most of the time it's because I don't like that level of organisation. I, you know, the business is becoming organised around me. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. But on a personal level, I just don't like so much commitment. I don't like, um, I don't, I don't like so much planning, which is where probably you find me so stressful.
0: No comment. Yeah. No comment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so, so we go from sticky walnut. Some success. Things are going good, and you want to open Burnt Truffle. Yeah. How or where or whose idea is let's crowdfund this? Is it because out of necessity the bank's not lending money? Where does crowdfunding come from on Burnt Truffle? Yeah, so,
2: um, yep, Sticky had gone okay. In fact, Sticky had gone very well at that point because we'd had a national review that was glowing uh, by by a major influential, uh, probably the most influential food critic in the country. Um, So uh, after that, this tiny little restaurant on the outskirts of Chester got very busy. Uh, It got so busy that um, I thought, you know, what's next? I'd like to promote people, but I can't because, you know, I'm the head chef. Uh, I want to promote the sous chef, but I can't because he can't move because I can't move, and so on. So I thought, you know, what, what could we do next? And, you know, I mentioned Angela a lot, but she was very influential. And one of, the, one of the things that I remember her saying most was, one of the best things about opening another restaurant is being able to promote the people from within and give other people opportunities, which you wouldn't be able to do necessarily so easy in one restaurant.
0: Absolutely.
2: So I thought, right, fuck it, let's open another restaurant uh, with no money. Um, and I'd had uh, issues the first year because the air conditioning, uh, oh, because people were fainting and sticky, like you know, regularly on the weekends because it was too hot. So I needed air conditioning, and I'd been quoted about ten thousand pounds to put air conditioning upstairs, downstairs, and close the restaurant for a week. Um, I went to the bank, and I said, "Look, can I borrow ten grand?" And they said, "No." and i just thought that was crazy and i just thought fuck you know why would they not No, you know we're making money there wasn't any money because i was a spending national it review. but a national review yeah but m- more so that we were making money there wasn't any money because i was spending it all on the restaurant on fixing things and but you know re- replacing things that were broken when i bought the restaurant so there was no money because of that and i just thought it's crazy why wouldn't they lend me 10 grand why wouldn't they support me why aren't they why am, why have i not got a partnership with a bank i thought that's what banks were for i thought they were uh, I thought it was a team. Yeah. Uh, and I realized then that you know, banks weren't what my dad used to tell me they were when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, my dad used to say, you know, when you go to the bank, put your suit on. You know, um, you know, not that that's a bad thing now no, either, no, 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 no. but put your suit on. Get, you know, Make a relationship with a bank manager. Go out for lunch with a bank manager. Absolutely. That's not Absolutely. what happens anymore. anymore. So, um, And I realized that quite quickly when I asked for this 10 grand. And so I started talking to loads of people and a friend, a friend actually, um, he said to me, somebody that I'd worked for previously, he said to me, why don't you crowdfund? And I'd never heard of crowdfunding, didn't know what it was. And, um, I had a look at it, he sent me some links I thought it was quite, like, hippie-ish When I saw it first Like, you know, all these people just giving you money Uh, And it was very arts and crafty Sort of thing, I thought Um, I wasn't seeing much in the way of restaurants And and anything that was food-orientated Back then, you know, ten years ago Was in America There wasn't really much in the UK And so I was kind of Kind of sold on it and kind of not. I thought it was ridiculously weird, so I quite liked it. Um, And then I remember, like, the first the first few weeks of pursuing it and speaking to Dan at Natural Selection, who you know very well now, uh, and saying to him because he was doing things like uh, some photography for food shots and stuff like that, and uh, he was good with a video camera. And I remember saying to him, you know, would you? would you be able to make a video for, for, for a crowdfunding campaign for a project for Kickstarter? And, and he said yes, and we spoke about it. And then I remember talking to my mum about it um, and saying, look, I'm looking at doing this thing, uh, crowdfunding for the restaurant. She said, oh, all right. And I said, I said yeah. She said, oh, oh, so you know your brother crowdfunded a book? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I said... No,
0: no, <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Okay, so uh, so did you pick up the phone to him naturally? Yes, I did, or? yeah, I did. yeah, so a my brother in a sense, but yeah, <laughs> you know, this book you
2: crowdfunded, well done on that. Um, and yeah, and so I asked him a lot, and he thought it was a great idea, and um, and that was it, and that was how it started.
0: Okay, yeah. good, and and you launched 100, yeah, K. So,
2: yeah, For the first time round. That's it. So um,
0: over thirty days was
2: it? Yeah. So I had a look at the other the campaigns, and um, and at that point, Claire didn't work with me, who's now the MD, who you work very very closely with now. Yeah. Um, and so I, it was just me, and um, and I didn't have a clue about money, and I didn't even know how much a restaurant cost, even though I'd done one at that point, and um, and I thought... And I didn't even have a restaurant. I didn't even have a second restaurant. There wasn't one. Yeah. I just thought, let's just raise some money or try, and then we'll find a restaurant. And I just thought, fuck it, 100 grand will be enough. <laughs> um, and I had no idea why 100 grand would be enough or wouldn't be enough. And it just it was a round number. It was a big number. And um, and we aimed to raise 100 grand in 30 days. By that point, we had about 5,000 followers on social media. And... um they were very loyal followers, and I I had such a good crap with them every day on social media, and we'd made you know relationships with these guys, and they were they were friends, and they were they were coming into the restaurant, and some weren't, but we would talk all the time on social media, and I put this, I told everyone, you know, I pre warned everyone for months, look, I'm going to do this thing called crowdfunding. What do you all think? And and everyone was like, yeah, go for it, <laughs> do it, do it, and so we did it, and we launched it on Twitter, and um, and. Um, It was, in all honesty, it was fucking amazing. It was amazing. Uh, There was so much energy around it, particularly in the hospitality world. Uh, There was a lot of talk about it. um, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, And it was amazing. And we achieved it. And we achieved the 100 grand. And that's how we opened the second restaurant. Good.
1: Okay. In uh, in, in doing that, Mm. I suppose there's a couple of questions. In investing in those relationships, yeah. that customer base, and creating that loyalty, yeah. do you think that was a massive...
2: Um, that had a real big effect on people's ability to invest? In me and my business, or in... In, 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 the, in
1: the concept of crowdfunding, because I suppose... Crowdfunding in, in general, or crowdfunding yeah, for us? crowdfunding for you. Okay, crowdfunding for us, uh, yes. Yeah. And yeah, then, too. what was your... when you got your first... Bit of money for crowdfunding.
2: Yeah. What did you think? Well, I can't even tell you how amazing it was because you know I'm I'm not a very confident person, so um, I'm a proud person, but I'm not confident. And um, and when I, you know, I was so close to not not doing it. You know, even down to the last second of pressing the, you know, sort of um, uh, you know send button for the for the project to launch, I wasn't going to do it. And I remember texting my brother and saying, Look, Sean, I'm I'm not going to do it, mate. And I remember him just saying, "Don't be a dick, just do it <laughs> and um and I just you know I did it, and you know you say what was it like when the first when the first you know bit of money came in, the first bit of money came in literally in fucking second, and then ten seconds later another, a minute later another 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 another, until we'd done 20, 25 grand in the first twenty four hours so it, and that was the first crowdfunding that we'd ever done, and so that level of support was just, you know, it was just overwhelming. It was undescribable. Mm. It was undescribable at the time, and it kind of still is now, because it was just shock. I just couldn't believe it. Um, just amazing, absolutely amazing. And I think that's when we you know, properly realised, fucking hell, you know, we've got some people that really, really believe in us.
1: And you've got, you've got something special.
2: Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, I am. Um, it's hard to. I'm still so involved in the business. Um, you know, I don't cook anymore, but you know, if I'm not in one of the restaurants, I'm normally sat outside it in my car. Yeah. And, and it sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Uh, but I am. Um, I am. There, I. I haven't got kids, but I'm guessing it's like kids. I just feel. Um, so attached to the restaurants that I find it very hard to switch off, and I'm always, I'm always, I, I'm like, it's, I feel like I'm completely in the middle of them all the time, every day. So it's very hard for me to put things into perspective and stand outside and maybe look up at the business from above and see what a special thing. That actually, we do have in terms of loyalty from the people that are involved in it. Um, so, I don't notice it too much. It's only very rarely um, in, a, you know, in, in times of complete quietness or when I'm away that, yeah, it's, it does dawn on me that we've got something pretty special with, with the restaurant.
0: Okay, good. So, crowdfund Burnt Truffle. We've spoken about Hispy, crowdfund this. Yeah. lose a site, manage to find a site, yeah. launch Hispy, yeah. then wreckfish, yeah, crazy, yeah, audacious, crowdfunded yeah. two hundred thousand yeah. pounds, which um, we're all talking and we're all thinking, yeah. is this guy lost the plot? Yeah. Is he mad? But yeah, I remember what, you what, saying <laughs> that to me, yeah. <laughs> what are that? you
2: fucking doing? <laughs> uh, and
0: and the, and the space from I remember from launching Hispy, I remember going away on holiday. And I can remember coming back on holiday. I think I've been back for about two weeks. I've done some snagging in... Uh, so probably about four weeks after launching Hispy. And then I get a text from you with a photograph of some <laughs> shitty building. in, um, And he's, and you're asking me, do you know Almost Famous in Liverpool? I said, yeah, I know where Almost Famous is in Liverpool. Oh, I've... I found I found something in Liverpool, you know. What? How did that? How did that conversation? Yeah. Were you out looking? Yeah. At no, what, it was Yeah, that's an ama- You know
2: what? It's something. Wreckfish is an amazing story. It is fucking amazing. Um, I don't think about it enough, you know. Um, th- so we, like you say, we'd been open here for three weeks in Hibsby. We'd been open in Manchester for three weeks, and a friend, Stephen Burgess, he sent me a text message. and He said, "Look," he said, he said. Um, I've, I've, I was looking at this site in Liverpool there's these two brothers, landlords really cool guys I was looking at the site for potentially taking it on but um, I can't he said I know you've just opened Hispy, but I know what you like you should go and have a look and I got in the car the next day and, and I did and um, and he was right the building the building was amazing Like it's a, dere- a completely derelict building it had been derelict for, for 10 years or something or more and um, but it was amazing, and I walked around it with the landlords, and um, and us, and we got to we got back upstairs to the top to the door, and they said, "What do you think?" And I said, "It is fucking amazing. It's amazing." And they said, "Yeah, it's, it's you know we think you know it's a stunner." And I said, "I, I love it." I said, I, "I would love to do a restaurant here." And they said, oh, "You know that's great. We'd love you to do a restaurant here." And I said, I haven't got any money though. Um, I said As you do. As you do. And they said, oh right. I said, well, I literally haven't got a penny. I haven't got a penny. And they said, oh, okay. And I said, but I do this thing called crowdfunding. And I'd love to I'd love to maybe do a crowdfunding for this. And they just they said they said yeah straight away. And I was, you know, I was shocked at that and I just thought it was so cool. You know, this guy telling them he's got no money, but He'd love to try and get in their building if he can try and raise it some other way. And they were into it. And then I went away from it and text you. And, um, uh, and then I thought, I thought, you know what? Let's, um, wouldn't it be cool if we cooked in it for a week like it is? Yeah. So in this derelict building, you know, literally dust falling off the walls... No electricity, yeah. no water, no toilets, no licence. No licence no no either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and wouldn't it be fucking cool to set up a massive table down the middle and do a makeshift kitchen at the front where I have literally, a, a, you know, a gas bottle, a blowtorch, and, and that's it, really. And the team. And the team, yeah, obviously, yeah. And, uh, and, and I just thought, what a cool experience that could be. And so I called the landlords, and so I'd already, I'd already dropped this, like, this idea of crowdfunding a restaurant, and then I said to them, you know, would you mind if I cooked in your building for a week like it is? And they said, yeah. And so, and so, and so we did. So we set this thing up. So we said, so again, on social media, I said to everyone, look, I found this building in Liverpool showed everyone the pictures and I said, I'm going to try and do a pop-up for a week and how about if I like, sell tickets but for free so I'll say there's like 30 guests tonight. I'll sell like 150 tickets but for free and I said, so let's say on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock I open up these tickets you don't have to pay anything you just have to say you want one the tickets went in minutes. I think,
0: yeah, less than an hour, wasn't yeah, it? it ridiculous. Yeah, yeah.
2: And they'd all gone, and I said to everyone, do me a favour. If you want to pay, just give some cash on the night. If you don't, no drama. The people did pay. They gave us nearly eight grand. And I said to everyone, if you like it and you do pay, we'll use that cash to be the first part of the crowdfund to try and open a restaurant in that building in Liverpool and that's how it started and that's how it ended (laughs) so yeah and that's how we ended up in Redfish in
0: Liverpool no it's nice and and 200,000 pounds I remember at the time I was thinking I think this guy's lost the plot Uh, and then I run the figures with Claire and it's more like 400,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah. After, where where did the 200k come from? So you, did you pluck it out of thin air again? Yeah. Did did, so did you discuss it with Claire? Yeah. So that um
2: actually that one I did discuss with Claire, but she said, you know, you'll need more than 200 grand. I said, "Fucking hell, Claire, so we can't I said I'm not going to be able to crowdfund 200 grand, let alone more than that." Yeah. So I said, "Look, 200 is the max. If we try and do 200, then the bank should lend us money if we've got 200k." So that's what we did and we and we somehow managed to raise 200 grand on kickstarter with some really uh, big influential people helping us tom carriage helped mike O'Hare helped daniel clifford helped i mean the list honestly the there's like you know 10 ridiculously high profile uh, celebrity chefs helped which i didn't had no idea they would and they just, they just did and so got the 200 grand crowdfunding then secured 200 grand loan from the bank, and then secured another 100 grand finance, and that's how Wreckfish
0: opened. And, and how's Wreckfish doing?
2: Yeah, so, mate, well, look, so Wreckfish uh, is doing amazing, and then, like you said, when you were talking about, you know, the accolades and awards and things that we've won, in Wreckfish's first year, it, were, it came 19th in the top 100 restaurants yeah. in the country. Yeah. So from me walking around a derelict building with not a penny to a 500 grand city center restaurant in liverpool opening and um, coming 19th in the 100 best so satisfaction, yeah sense satisfaction sense of achievement uh, sense of achievement yeah yeah sense of achievement with yeah. that um and and as you know yourself because you're the one that fitted it out wreckfish is a stunner it's good it's a stunner it is a, it is a stunner uh, and everyone that goes in there says it yeah From, uh, Raj shared me the
1: uh, the journey and uh, I, that that moment where you're in there cooking in box basically mm. a shell of a building yeah. I, I was just scratching there thinking what's going on yeah. <laughs> and then it was nuts when when that finishes and you see the end product yeah. you just think shit that's,
2: it's
0: amazing, that's amazing.
2: Yeah. it's amazing it yeah. is amazing and breakfast is such a stunner of a build I mean I, I, we sort of I'd said to you that um, after the pop up I'd said to you look Raj let's see if we can Let's try and build a restaurant around the pop-up. Yeah. So could we have this massive communal table upstairs with a huge kitchen in front of it? Yeah. And you said, yeah, of course we can. And then for the look of it downstairs, you know, I'm quite open to everyone. That I just absolutely love Hawksmore and the way Hawksmore looks. So I said to you, look, can we sort of can we look at the downstairs and have a look at the way it that takes Hawksmore? Inspiration from yeah, that. the way yeah. that Hawksmore does their sort of, and I think you called it like. You called it like old English or something yeah. like that, didn't you? And um, luxury British, yeah, Colonial paneling—that's it. Colonial, yeah. you used, yeah. And um, and and so that's what we did. We took inspiration from places like Hawksmoor. I'd said to you that. Um, I said to you, there's this restaurant that I really love in London. I love the look of it, called the Clove Club. And you said, right, let's go for dinner then. So we went down to the Clove Club. Yeah. Had dinner down in the Clove Club, and I'd really said, impressive. yeah, really amazing, impressive. fucking amazing restaurant. But I'd said to you, look how open that kitchen is. That's what I see as um, wreckfish, and you said, yeah, that's what we can do yeah. then.
0: So, so the plan was to almost feel like you're sitting in, in the kitchen when you're on that ground floor, you yeah. know, and, and yeah. you're and you're, you're part of. Uh, And I know you wanted the past to be really low. Yeah. So Mm. so it was almost like someone's kitchen at home. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And it is. I mean, logistically, it's a fucking nightmare. (laughs) The (laughs) the restaurant
2: doesn't actually work, but it is. It's it's exactly how we wanted it to look, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's good. Okay. Fast forward. Yeah. 24-hour crowdfund. Yeah. We all think you're on drugs, or you've yeah. gone mad again. Yeah. What, yeah. what, where, where the hell does yeah. the opinion crowdfund come Yeah, so... Come look, from?
2: Right, so we... we, The landlords of Liverpool told us about a Betfred shop that they had in Prescott. Uh, like you said, fast forward, uh, we went for it. So, again, we needed to raise money. So, um... I am a big believer on our food and what we do in the restaurants is great and I'm very very proud of it but it's also um we are not destination restaurants we're not we're not Michelin star um we we're not some people do and it's amazing but we're not necessarily places that somewhere someone would drive 200 miles to go to um we are I hope we're sort of everyday places and um Neighbourhood restaurants? Yeah, neighbourhood restaurants. And so I'm a big believer in the PR that I do myself for the restaurants. So I am very aware that the stuff that I do uh, can quite often keep us in, um, keep us relevant. So I knew that we were going to need to crowdfund for this potential new place in Prescott, Pinion, And I knew that we needed to do a crowdfund. Uh, I knew that this one was going to cost a lot less, and so I spoke to Claire about it. And although it's ended up costing a hell of a lot more, as always, I thought let's 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 raise 50 grand because at least with 50 grand we can get some more money off the bank and and, and so on. And then I thought, you know, I looked into the Kickstarter um, pages and the project times and. There's projects, you know, the most you know, it's you know, it's most common to do thirty days and that's what you assume all Kickstarters are, but actually you can choose your time. And I saw that actually you could choose twenty four hours if you wanted. We didn't need to do it in twenty four hours. We shouldn't have done it in twenty four hours, but I thought, fucking hell, what a story if we do. Why not? Yeah, fuck it. So, um we, you know, it wasn't a joke. We needed the fifty grand. It wasn't like we didn't need it. We fucking needed, needed it. We needed more. We needed more. Needed we needed more. a lot more. You know, we <laughs> needed. We found out now we needed six times that. But, um, but I thought if we do do it in twenty four hours, what a story! Yeah. You know, what a story! And again, it will keep us relevant. Um, and so we, so we sat down to do it, and. It, quite cool actually that the channel four documentary that you talked about has actually filmed this whole thing so you'll be able to see it on on tv soon but um we sat down or i sat down in sticky walnut the first restaurant to do this 24-hour crowdfunding the target's 50 grand the time we've got is 24 hours i pressed send on the kickstarter and again seconds money coming in you know, in in fucking 10 minutes, we'd raised, like, 15 grand. And in 59 minutes, we did the whole 50 grand.
0: Yes. Um, incre- incre- and, 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 incredible. And incredible. How, how are you feeling at that stage? What, what's, uh, what's going through your mind? You're sitting in a restaurant which probably, you know, took less yeah. than 100 grand to build. Yeah. You're five restaurants in. Yeah. or you're, you're about to be five restaurants yeah. in. Mm. And your laptop's burning up. Yeah. With pledges and yeah. money. You know, what, what's going through your mind at that point?
2: Uh, you know, like I was saying to you before I'm so involved in the business That it's very difficult for me to actually Sit and consider what's happening So I'm just, you know, I'm buzzing I'm absolutely yeah. buzzing and I'm, and I'm involved in it, I'm doing it I'm, re- I'm, I'm sending the messages, I'm sending the tweets I'm, I'm right there in the middle of it So it probably won't be fully Until maybe I don't own the restaurants That maybe I can sit back and reflect on these so times And think about how back. fucking amazing yeah. they are Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: Surreal it's, it's Surreal, a yeah. Experience. Surreal, yeah. Yeah. Me too, yeah. So yeah. I, I can remember, I, I go out for dinner that night, and I think oh, I'll come home, come back, and I'll pledge a bit of money, and I come back, and, and, and you've smashed the target in like less than three or four hours. But
2: mm. well, the target we did in less than an hour.
0: Yeah. So, so you've complete. Yeah. So what what happens at that stage where you, you've hit the target? Yeah. Ready to rock and roll yeah. now. What, what's, what, what's the next process? Of the restaurant or of the crowdfund? Of the crowdfund. So and the then cra- moving yeah. from a, a successful crowdfund to launching a restaurant. Yeah. So what's, what's the next step?
2: So uh, so, uh, so we still had 23 hours left of the crowdfund. So I didn't want to be um, uh, greedy and you know, pursue the crowdfund. So I really just left it because um, we'd achieved what we tried to achieve. But it carried on going and we raised 86 grand or something yeah. like that um, in the 24 hours. Um, the next stage then is really uh, working with you and with Claire. So um, the three of us work quite closely together. Claire's obviously um, the boss. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> so, uh, absolutely. She, um, she is, um, you know as you know, she scrutinizes everything that we do, particularly financially.
0: Which is a good thing. Which is a good which is which right. is
2: which is how we which is how we how we operate, which is how yep. we stay open. Yeah. So she you and her work very closely together. Um you and I work very closely together on the design. And then uh and then you orchestrate the whole And then we're into refurb. Uh, yeah. The whole the whole building refurb. Yeah. Um and now you're working very closely with Rich yeah. as well, because yeah. Rich has taken pretty much the design of the kitchen off me as well, yeah. as yeah. well as designing the menus. Rich, the exec chef, now, yeah. now designs the kitchens too. Yeah. So what's happening now is there's... There's becoming a team, isn't there? Absolutely. So where it was me, literally, as you'll remember, <laughs> here with a sledgehammer, ripping the restaurants apart to do the refills. You know
0: what, we, sh- we didn't touch on that. We, sh- yeah. sh- we should tell Tom. So, so, so Gary gets the keys for this place, I think, on a Friday afternoon. And I say, OK, great. Um... So let, let's let start on Monday, Yeah, you know, start stripping the place. There's, like, a porch and, you know, there's, like, a proper bar. It's completely different to what, yeah. you know, it, it looks different. Um, and so he, he's got the keys. He, he's absolutely buzzing. I think I come and train with you on that Friday. Yeah. And uh, as normal, probably go home, have some food. And I'm getting a phone call... Uh, 1 a.m. 2 a.m. From the landlord bleed, or landlady, bleed. I can't remember oh, who it was. Uh, it must have been. Uh, uh, I remember the fire brigade. And and yeah. and, uh, and again, I get. Are you on site? The site's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? I, I'm problem. like half as you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm chilling <laughs> on, my sofa <laughs> thinking, on this, the sofa, thinking, yeah. what the fuck? So. Um, so I text Gary and he's like, "Oh yeah, um, I, I decided to start. Uh, I've set the fire alarm off." I did the rip out, <laughs> so, and I come back on. Uh, I come back. I think the Saturday afternoon. I pop in, and it just looks like <laughs> destruction. There's no skip. There's just a piles. It's like, can you imagine someone emptying a skip inside a restaurant? Um, yeah. Um, and I think I think there's a there's a great photograph somewhere I don't know because you took you, a
2: video you made a video yeah. breaking one of the walls
0: so. <laughs> I think there's a there's a photograph of you lying on a plasterboard yeah. down there mm. and just just destruction all yeah. around you mm. uh, and you should probably put that picture up in here somewhere yes. actually. yeah yeah sure so, uh, should maybe in the kitchen yeah laid waste <laughs> <restaurant>. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, bit 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 crazy, bit crazy. So we we've taken the sledgehammer off you now. It's in my we, boot. No, <laughs> joke.
2: No, no joke, it's in the my boot one.
0: right now. Yeah, ready to go for the yeah. next project. Ready to go. Okay, good. Well, look, I was um, I was I was fortunate to be invited to your Christmas do mm. on Monday. Yeah, Wanted to thank you for that. Yeah, that's right. And um, the team now, mate. I, and what I noticed, which I was shocked at. Uh, was the amount of staff that you employ? Mm, yeah. So Claire was telling me there was around 120 of us. Yeah. Obviously, big change from where you started mm. at Sticky Walnut. Eight yeah. people you employed first. Yeah. I went,
2: at, the, at the start, there was four of us. Yeah.
0: So four. to 120. Mm. I've noticed it's a young team, mm. or we're getting older. I think is probably more. both made I reckon. There's probably more to more, more to it. Um, do you do you find yourself a mentor, a parent? You know, Claire was saying to me she feels like a parent at times to mm. these staff. Are you, are you a mentor to these yeah. guys? Do, you know, these guys must look up to you massively. Oh, I don't know about that. But I,
2: I, um, I wouldn't want to, like, uh, patronise them by saying that I was any of those. Um, but I would hope that they all know that whatever help that they need in either their personal life or their work life, then I would be there.
0: Because, look, I'm not going to go into it, but the, the, there's times you've, you've, you've shared with me, you know, staff have been stuck financially, emotionally, and, and you know, mm. your, your door's always been open to them, and, and you've you've helped yeah. them massively wherever you can. Yeah, 100%. I always will. Um, that is,
2: um, I fucking care about people, you know, I do. Yeah. I, I, uh, look, I don't care about someone that comes in late every day and fucking <laughs> nicks steak at the end of the night <laughs> um, I don't care about somebody that's abusive to other members of staff. In fact, we sack them. But um, I care about people that care. Good. Uh, and if Good. people care, then there's no end to the help that I will give them in their lives. And that includes buying a car, getting a new job somewhere... Any advice I can give them emotionally? Not that I'm the best person to do it, but I, I will if they want. Uh, there's, I am, I, I'm there if someone needs anything, I, and good. I hope that they know that. Yeah.
0: Good. All right. Good. You Success gets banned around a lot, and, and I know you don't like talking about success, yeah. Yeah. but you know, from the outside in, a lot of people probably see you as a successful person. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, how do you gauge success? What Oh, do, do
2: uh, you... fucking hell. I don't know, Raj. I, I Google the word success all the time um, because... Because it's not always financial. No, but if you Google it,
0: it is. Exactly. Yeah. Do you think
1: that's the issue? Do uh, you
2: think it's, it's, it's stuck in a...
0: No, because...
1: Finan- like, no. most people think it's it success in a financial sense.
2: I'm not sure I get... This is a bit of a head fuck, this, because I, um, I if, like, the, tr- the, the translation of it, things comes up, like, uh, you are know, obviously financially, uh, being being respected by your peers. Um, there's all sorts of things that come up, and when I look back to, you know, even in the first couple of years of Sticky, but, much, but, but before that, you know, I always said all I want to do is be successful but uh, and I said this to the we did an article for the Times uh, yesterday so I feel a bit of fraud saying it again but it's very <laughs> true uh, there's no there's no direct connection between uh, success and financial reward success and happiness happiness and financial reward they're not they're not directly connected there's no reason ever for them to be. They can, but it's not automatic. So if I had to look back 10 years ago and realised that actually success doesn't, doesn't mean happiness, yeah. success doesn't mean financial reward, it can mean both, but it's not automatic. And I think that's where I get stuck a little bit because as, as amazing as everything is, uh, I'm not necessarily uh, the happiest person in my personal life and um, uh, just, just me personally and how I feel so it's a tricky one and, and when people look at the business and look at me and see uh, huge success, which I know some people do because I get told uh, it's quite tricky to deal with that because I don't feel it I'm not sure I ever will
0: as well I, get I, get, I guess more so if you take some time out and stand back um, no that doesn't work either no no.
1: do you think it's quite subjective that you, well, you know, obsess, we obsess on success being something that mm. other people see rather actually what we should be doing is subjective you've got a view of what success looks like in your mind yeah you're and right actually yeah. you can articulate
2: yeah I know what you're saying
1: is and right Yeah. one day mm. potentially mm. you'll wake up and
2: you'll go up oh, that's it yeah nailed it yeah,
1: But someone else might look at that and go, Oh, that's not success.
2: If you yeah. know what I mean. No, you're right. You're right. That's exactly right. That's a good way of describing it. I, <clears throat> it's funny because um, I think it was, might have even been you, Raj. I, I, I can't remember who was saying it to me last week. But, you know, this Channel 4 documentary has been made about us. It's already done. You know, I've seen it. It's great. I'm really proud of it. Even more than that, Channel Four want to make a series. It's going to be a six-part series about what, yeah, you know, what we do. That's fucking huge. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't make me happy. No. Um. It really doesn't. Not one fucking bit. I don't want to be on TV either. There's not a fucking gram in my fucking body that wants to be on TV. I do not want to do it. But my my only focus. my only fucking focus in life is the success of the restaurants and if by being on TV it makes the restaurants busier which makes a better business then I'll do it but if you look at what is success anyone looking in and someone said it to me on a text message the other night fucking hell you've made it (laughs) and they're really simple it's a really simple little phrase that but it means a fuck of a lot to a lot of people. Absolutely. You've made it. Because Absolutely. you've made it means in most people's minds, you've completely achieved. You've achieved everything. Yeah. You as yourself have achieved everything that anyone would want to achieve. But that's not how I feel. No. One bit. And you know, the week before, and I can't remember whether whether it was you that was saying it, Rose, but it looks like potentially i could take what we have for granted yeah. but that is not the case yeah. just because i am i appreciate where we are i don't take it for granted but it doesn't mean that that level of what looks like su- success means that you're happy
0: yeah. and
2: for me it doesn't and i know that sounds fucking no, depressing uh,
0: not at all but it's not true you know yeah, yeah, there's yeah.
2: no point in me having a chat with you on this and fucking yeah. you know there's no point chatting with anyone really and not telling, especially especially you, you Raj, because I know you so yeah, well. There's absolutely. no point in me not telling telling you the truth. Yeah. If I was having a chat with a with a guest in the restaurant yeah. <laughs> on table five and they were they and they were telling me they had a great they had a great blade of beef tonight, I'm not going to sit there and tell them that I'm not happy. Yeah. But in a in a situation like this, and we're talking about business and the whole premise of, of yeah, it is is absolutely. what's happened in the last ten years. Well, actually. It doesn't all match up in that way.
0: And, and how, how do you manage it? How do you manage your well-being, your fucking mental hell, health, Jesus your state gosh, of mind? For sake, mate. You, you didn't know. tell me
1: it was going to go, <laughs> kind like um, of worms question. <laughs>
2: yeah. I manage it. So I, I don't manage it. So um, I speak to someone at the minute. So I'm, I see, um, I guess it's called a therapist. So yeah. I speak to someone. It sounds fucking hell, it sounds like I live in fucking Beverly Hills or something. <laughs> like, that. Cliche fucking no, lifestyle. No, 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 not at all. No, no, I speak not at to all. someone yeah, because yeah. I wasn't sure how to manage it because, yeah. yeah, I haven't been the happiest person for the last five years. Um, I'm, you know, I'm gunning through my career, I think, and I'm gunning through the ambitions and where we want to get, and that's never, ever going to stop. Yeah. But uh, dealing with it yeah, in my head, yeah, I talked to someone about it. Um, Good. That's only a recent thing, so I'm not sure how that's going to go. That's only been for the last six months. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, and then managing it, um, uh, you you know, I don't manage it, Raj, is the honest answer to that. You know, everybody tells me to go on holiday more and all this kind of shit. Um, And I've started doing that, you know that. You know, I've been away like three times in the last 18 months. In the first five years, I didn't go away anywhere. You know, the first three years, I didn't even take a day off. So it's getting better. But in all honesty, when I do go away and when I do take holidays and I do try and manage it like that, it doesn't really make any difference when I get back but the time that I'm away you know I've just been snowboarding and I'm 37 now and it was something that I only learned a couple of months ago to do a trip in the Alps with this Michael O'Hare event and the times out on the Alps on my own on a snowboard was bliss was absolute bliss and at those points I felt happy I felt clear I didn't think about work and that was great, surrounded
0: um, by gorgeous views. Oh,
2: the Jesus! Beauty. The sun, the snow, just the freedom of being on a snowboard sounds cheesy again, but it's true. Uh, so that's great. But, but but when I come back, it's the same, and I'm in the same I'm in the same headspace. Back to so yeah, reality. Mm. Yeah, reality and 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 life and 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 a similar feeling to the feeling that I had before. So those kind of things don't fix it, in my opinion. So when you say, how do I manage it? I don't, and I'm not sure how.
1: Okay. Would you say that that's a point of growth? In fact, that you know early on you wouldn't have been able to separate anything. It was all you know, full on. Mm. But now you're at a point where you recognise you can take some time out, but then return back to the the reality of it, mm. and it's less stressful. Would you say? Or
2: no, no. I am. Um my 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 head has never been as fucked as it is right now. Um, in um, and like I said to you before, I'm not. It's not like I'm cooking every day in the restaurants. Yeah. I'm not. I don't cook anymore. So and it's not like you know, from a physical labor point of view, there isn't any. Um, from a demand of my time, me and anything that I do, there isn't any. Um, so I'm under no pressure in that sense. But my how i feel in my head about everything the pressure and the stress of just the responsibility i guess uh is as intense as it's ever been so this, i suppose in some way this, the stresses don't change they're just different
1: in terms of the way that you've evolved through this journey from like you say at the start you're invested you're there you yeah all day yeah as you move on you're mm. able to move not you don't eliminate the stress but you're able to share that stress with people and i think yeah what i think of the resounding things of the sort of where we've worked, largely talked about you positively yeah um and this and the information you shared with me it definitely looks like there are some exceptional people around you mm. oh fucking and, right, and yeah. how does that how does that help and how has that helped your business journey?
2: Oh, right, okay. There's two questions there. So how has it helped the business? Well, this, the business wouldn't be there if it wasn't for those people. It is it is the business. Um, I'm not able to do the things that these guys do. They're fucking amazing. How have they helped me with my stresses? It hasn't helped. Yeah. Not one bit. Um, and not because what, what they do is amazing. The exec chef is a much better cook than me. The MD is, she's just, fucking incredible she's an incredible business person um, but that doesn't make me feel any different yeah. sorry that's the honest answer no and I think that's I think that's there's two different things though isn't it they yeah. are running the business exceptionally yeah and I think what, what you're saying is that
1: you will you will always hold yourself to a standard that means the stress will be there is, is that
2: yeah, yeah maybe I'm not sure what it is I mean it, like so, you know this is I'm trying to work out why I'm why I'm why I feel the way I do but I don't know we'll see yeah we'll see yeah
0: okay good
2: are we ending on some fucking positive (laughs) (laughs) positive please Jesus
0: so so, so what's next we've got Carla what's next yeah so we've got Carla
2: you know very well that what's next is Leeds because you're doing the plans for them um we've got this documentary
0: (laughs) we're not supposed to talk about Leeds (laughs) we're not supposed to talk about Leeds
2: yeah (laughs) okay Leeds definitely (laughs) isn't happening um uh, so Leeds um, King Street is opening next month. Um, and crowdfund
0: for have, have you slept on the idea? Have you thought what, about yeah, crowdfund? Yeah, I've
2: got, got no choice. I've got to try and crowdfund You've for King Street. So Dan. yeah, I've spoken to Dan. So we'll be coming up with a few videos and ideas for why anyone would give us 140 grand for King Street. So yeah, that's happening. Um, Leeds is happening. Uh, the documentary and the series is is pretty huge for us. So. There's no point in me trying to plan too much what's going to happen over the next 12 months because I think at some point it's going to be out of our hands because the Channel 4 stuff is probably going to snowball into stuff that we couldn't ever prepare for, I'm guessing.
0: Good. Okay. Two final questions. Yeah. So, knowing what you know now... I wouldn't open the restaurant. Knowing what you know now, <laughs> yeah. what advice would you give to uh, young Gary, who's, uh, you know, yeah. starting off his pot wash career yeah. oh,
2: okay. in, okay.
0: Uh, okay. you know, and, and he's got the, you know, yeah. world's his oyster. Yeah, of course. And, okay. and you know, you're you're experienced your experience chef, operator, restaurateur. I hate the word entrepreneur, but, you know, people will describe you as an entrepreneur. Hmm. Yeah. What What advice do you give to a young Gary, eighteen years old, starting out? Yeah. So, fucking hell. Um,
2: of course, a big question. Um, I had no choice about cooking because I wasn't academic. So, um, if I wasn't a cook, I'd have been a mechanic or, or something like that. Um, so, I was definitely going to be a cook. So, I would give the advice based on me being a cook and, and continuing that. I would say that uh, I would. I would instill in myself how important it is to work for good people because those that fundamental training is your career and that that is what makes you so if you can put up with long hours and shitty conditions sometimes this is to me not to anyone else then stick with it um and maybe work in some more great places uh, I would also, if I were to continue giving myself excuse me, advice like I was my own mentor, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when I came to opening my own place, I, w- I wouldn't. I would say don't. I would say don't. Don't have your own business. Because um, I personally don't think it's worth it. Um, it's not for everyone, is it? Um, it's not No, it's not for everyone, but more for me, I think, that there is something to be said for getting a paycheck every month without the extra responsibility of, in my example, 120 people and six restaurants, and the stress and the pressure and the limelight, and I sure. think you, if you... You know, a lot of the people that I worked for, I respected so much, and genuinely I would have lied down in the road for um, because that's the type of people that I wanted to work for and that's actually a great feeling doing a good job for someone that you respect in my opinion is equally as good as having your own business so I would say don't jump to having your own business because it's not always the ultimate goal for a restaurant I think
0: I get that
1: Hope you liked that episode of Diary of a Creator with Gary Usher. If you like what you heard, please feel free to uh, like and share on all of the platforms we use and stay tuned for the next episode.